The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, the visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among all the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder if we could just have a uh, picture on the screen that I found uh, just recently uh, at uh, our local gym where I was uh, going for the first time for quite a few weeks and uh, not uh, feeling quite like it, but managed to do something uh, on what they called a light workout. <laughs> well, I found there at uh, Soundwell uh, the same people who were there last year and uh, as keen as ever at half past six in the morning, pressing the iron, doing all their stuff, jumping about and everything else. And I thought, you know, nothing's really changed. And for a lot of people, going to the gym is an absolute given. It's a top priority in their lives. And this poster outside, which is coming to the end of its life, I thought was very imaginative. Help decorate our fitness tree. And underneath was the invitation to hang things from it, sending out your goals for the year. And the promise would be that uh, some trainers, personal trainers, would come along and help you achieve your goal of fitness. Fitness re replacing Christmas, the time when people come together to have communion with Christ, which is the literal meaning of Christmas. Now, there's nothing wrong with fitness, but when it becomes something that is all-embracing and that demands all our energies and priorities, then there are some danger signs to be heard. The invitation that God gives is not to be caught up with all the stuff of the world, even doing good things that improve our health, but rather to make the one priority above everything else, the worship of Jesus, the one who has come to be king over all. 
In our first carol, we started this new year at Christ Church by singing, Worship Christ the Newborn King. And I wonder what greater invitation there could be. And it was an invitation with directions. As Jeff pointed out, there wasn't a postcode involved in those directions. But God's invitation was heard by shepherds nearby, via the angels. And by Magi a long way away. They were wise enough to know how to interpret the signs in the skies. But the important thing that struck me about that was that God spoke to them in a language that they could understand, in a culture of their own. They were from east of Jerusalem, Persian or Arabia, or Persia or Arabia. And God gave them a sign in the skies. They were led by a star. And it was the grace of God that enabled that to happen, to speak to them in a way they could appreciate. The wisdom of God in understanding the language, the culture that they spoke. We have seen his star in the east, said the wise men, and have come to worship him, to pay honor, to tribute to him. Now, as we know, even from this last week, people have had an incredible fascination with space, with the things that are out there, whether it's the dark side of the moon or beyond the outer limits of what we understand as our own planetary system. But these men's lives weren't just interested by the stars, they were governed by the stars. They were astronomers or astrologers, there wasn't any difference in those days. We still have a huge weight placed on the horoscopes that appear regularly in our local paper, in our, our papers. But it was into their world and their language and their way of thinking that God's invitation came. And I think it's worth us reflecting on how God first spoke to us, how that invitation, that sort of drawing, as it were, first came to us in a way that communicated to us in our culture, in our situation, that led us on our journey to where we are now. One of the things that speaks to many people's culture is the internet. And J. John's little book on there called Making the Connection on the Welcome Desk is one that takes the analogy of the internet being there for everybody to tap into, but unless you connect it to it and put in a personal passcode, you won't be able to take advantage of that internet and the wealth of information and experiences that that offers. Making the connection is an analogy for our day for connecting with God. Everybody has different things that draw us to him. Some of the photographs that have now been put up and will be completed uh, by this time next week show something of somebody else's journey. Steve Bassett, who's been able to identify in the landscape of North Wales something of the grandeur, the mystery, the wildness of a God who he is still exploring and seeking to know but is finding signs and pointers through the things that he finds on his walks and experiences in those wild 
places. For other people, the birth of a child, bringing that child for baptism. So we will be doing later at half past 12, baptizing Charlotte here and two other children who will be coming. Finding a sense of what is life really about? What an amazing gift this child is to us and how great is the God who gives that gift to us and enables us to have the responsibility of nurturing them. It may be through science, through the arts, through sport, through film, through experiences of kindness or generosity, all sorts of different ways that God will draw and help us on that journey to make that journey knowing that there's something at the end worth going for. I wonder what it was and what it is for you. Well, as stargazers, God led these wise men by a star. Secondly, they were guided by the scriptures. These wise men led by a star, but towards the end of their journey, something went wrong. They ended up in another king's palace. They didn't find the baby Jesus in the house where he'd now gone with his parents. And that was not good news, as we heard or a little bit from Jeff's story. I wonder why that was. I wonder whether, as they got nearer their goal, they stopped following the star and relied more on their own understanding, their own ideas of where a new king would be born. But they had the sense to go to a place where maybe somebody else would know. And they discovered that it was through the scriptures that that revelation of exactly where Jesus would be born, this new Messiah, was made. We're all learning that God is the God of the unexpected, and we cannot work it out ourselves. We need to be able to trust God's revelation and not our own thinking or even imagination. And it was the Jewish priests and the teachers who knew their scriptures And they quoted, as we heard in our reading, words from Micah, chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, no means least in the cities of Judah. For from you will come a ruler who will be king, a promised one who will be the one that will fulfill that hope of Israel. Last week, we were encouraged by Peter to explore the scriptures, the Bible that Jesus read, to use Philip Yancey's phrase, and to look at a selection of key passages and with the comments that Peter made, so maybe through this year, to journey through the Old Testament and to see how they look forward or foreshadow the coming of Christ. What an epic journey that would be. It requires consistency and discipline and courage to keep doing that as those wise people did who were determined to see Jesus at the end of it. So they were led by a star, they were guided by the scriptures and thirdly they bowed down ultimately and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. At the end of their journey, and in the presence of Jesus, they bowed down. I don't know whether they had any choice. It was as if they, 
They, they fell down on their knees. I don't know. We don't know. We can only speculate. But I know that where the presence of God is so powerful and is so real, some of you will have experienced this too, that you can do absolutely nothing but stand in awe, maybe fall down on your face, become completely transfixed and overcome with the holiness and love that can drench you You could do no other in the presence of Jesus than to say, Lord, here I am. I don't know whether those three pagans from this culture of stargazing and astrology were struck in that way. And I can only imagine that in the presence of Jesus, they wouldn't have said, oh, that's interesting, nice little boy you've got here. They worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him in humility, in the face of holiness. And out of all their treasures, it says they opened their gifts. These were treasures coming from the things that they felt were valuable, from their world. And it seems ridiculous (laughs) to us, and knowing what we do about babies and Jesus, for them to give give gold, frankincense and myrrh. We give, baby grows, rattles, things that my children might enjoy. Or my, my father did give my son, his grandson, a little rugby ball. <laughs> I don't know how prophetic that was, because Matthew's grown up to be a top-class rugby coach. But uh, he's, uh, you know, we all have ambitions, don't we, for our grandchildren. But Mary and Joseph... They accepted those gifts. Their gifts were received with love because they were offered with love. They'd been given as an act of true devotion. It was their way of expressing worship, authentic worship. It was the best that they could bring. And the invitation that God gives us all at the start of this new year is to come and worship Jesus and to give the best that we can bring to him week by week, day by day, whether it's personal or corporate. Praying that God would lead us and guide us in the knowledge that he would accept our worship as it's offered in humility. Offering our gifts, as we've experienced a bit of today through through Jeff and through Joseph's contributions to our worship. But doing that in every way we can, in our prayers and our praises, in our passion for God's kingdom, expressed in actions that are part of kingdom building work, seeking that justice that will prevail in our workplace, doing things that will enable poor to be lifted out of debt, the homeless given shelter, food and medical care, Refugees given a place of safety, the lonely befriended, the marginalised included, teenagers given self-esteem and worth, children and families 
and able to discover the true values that lead to fullness of life. These are all part of the actions of worship, the gifts of worship that we can bring to the Lord every day in everything that we're doing. And of course, in our financial giving, in our money, our expression of worship, a response to the grace of God shown to each, each day, enabling us as a church to resource the work of the kingdom, to enable things that make a difference in our world to happen. It's all part of our worship, our offering, our falling down before Jesus. So after God had led them, guided them, accepted their worship, he showed these pagan musicians, one for, uh, not musicians, magicians, <laughs> one further sign of grace. He changed them. Like only God can change somebody. Verse 12, we read that the the Magi were warned in a dream to go back by another route. Go back by another route. A route away from the tyrannical king's palace. They changed their route. But I wonder to what extent these men were changed in themselves. Had their perspective on life been changed? Had their understanding of God been changed? Had their hearts been changed? Did they follow a different route in their lives from then on? Now it's been said that to worship is to be changed. It is to be invaded, said one theologian, by the Shekinah of God. The glory, the radiance of God, his holy presence. You cannot remain unchanged when we experience that. Indeed, St. Paul was to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, nor we who with unveiled or open alert faces contemplate or reflect on the Lord's glory. We are being transformed. We are being changed into his image with ever-increasing glory from one degree of glory to another, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. God, through his spirit, does the changing of us as we come simply and worship. And that is the invitation to come and worship and to be changed. The invitation to worship is the invitation to transformation. At its heart, worship is very, very simple. It is the offering of all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of God. Surrender, sacrifice, dependence, and just saying, Lord, here I am. I give myself to you, for you are worthy. You are worthy of everything that I can bring, and way beyond that. And in his graciousness, the Lord will lead us. He will guide us. He will accept our offering, and he will change us as we simply come 
That's why I've chosen as our song now that simple realization that Matt Redmond had when he was quite young that worship is just about bringing our heart to the Lord, saying, Here I am. I offer you myself. Let's stand as we sing together. <laughs>